If you would, our scripture reading this morning will be from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he he was healed, turned back, And with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks or giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, where were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not they are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto unto him, excuse me, and he said unto him, arise, go thy way. Thy faith had made thee whole. last journey to Jerusalem, where he would die outside the city wall, Jesus passed through Samaria and Galilee. Those were areas that he knew that he knew very well, and those were areas where on more than one occasion he displayed the power of God. Now normally when a Jew traveled to Jerusalem, he would avoid Samaria by taking the longer route across the Jordan River. And he did that because of his despising the Samaritan so much, just as the Samaritan reciprocated that sentiment. Now the Samaritan did live in close proximity to the Jew, and their religious views were based upon the Old Testament, though they were sorely misguided. Now their views were a mixture of Jewish uh, ancestry and that of uh, the Jewish nations around them, or rather their, uh, their, uh, their ancestry was that. They were a mixture of both. It was because of the return or those who were left in uh, the land when they were exiled away. And then upon the return, what they found in, in their place was this mixture of folks. Uh, those who were left behind had intermarried with the uh, Gentile nations around, and so what they had was this mixture of people, and uh, they were considered to be the lowest of the low, worse than a slave or even an animal. So they didn't treat them very well. They didn't consider one another to be anyone they wanted to have any dealings with whatsoever. And you can go back to John chapter 4, verse 9, when Jesus asked for a drink from the Samaritan woman. She was a little shocked by that. And her reply was, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. However, 
Jesus' purpose was to come to save the lost. He didn't want to involve himself in the petty petty disagreements and arguments of the people of the land. And and he never treated anyone badly, whether they were a, a Samaritan or a Gentile or whoever they may have been. He treated people the same. Now the very miracle read for us was one that in fact benefited a Samaritan. Now we have ten men bound together by a common misfortune. Ultimately, the outcast was the only one to render appreciation out of the ten. Ten percent. Only one out of ten came back. Do you recall the 1977 hit song, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad? Well, the singer was Marvin Lee Aday. Now, you may remember him by his stage name, Meatloaf. I never did understand that. Now, the phrase two out of three ain't bad means that a little is better than nothing. Now, in some cases, a little is better than nothing at all, but not in every case. Now, we can back up a chapter to Luke 16. We read about a beggar named Lazarus, and he pleaded with the rich man for the crumbs that fell from his table. You know, a little is better than nothing. We can go a little deeper into that chapter and we can read about that same rich man who lift up his eyes being in torments and he pleaded with Father Abraham to have Lazarus to dip his finger in some water and that he might cool his tongue. You know, a little is better than nothing sometimes. But in chapter 17, this isn't the case where a little is better than nothing. All ten of those men should have come and, and they should have been thankful to Jesus for the restored life that they would enjoy. And so this isn't an example of just a little is better than nothing. All ten of those men should have come back and they should have bowed down before the Savior just like this Samaritan did, this this man who was lower than a dog in the estimation of all the Jews. And they should have thanked this man, Jesus, who gave them their lives back. The title of the sermon this morning is Only One. Only One. And as we learn more about being thankful, let's take a look at this this group of men. Now this wasn't an ordinary group of men. They had a common concern because they were lepers. Together they formed a very pitiable group. They were to be pitied. Clothes were rent, heads were bowed in shame. Hair was disheveled, a strange cloth bound to their lower face and their upper lip. A common disease had placed them all in one group, all on the same social level. No longer was the Samaritan an outcast. He was a fully-fledged member of this group. They were all together. The great equalizer, leprosy. Leprosy is often used in the Bible to describe something else. It's used to describe sin and what an, an amazing description it leaves for us. Like leprosy, sin is also the great equalizer among humanity, among people, and among nations. No matter how rich or poor, how sick or how healthy one may be, sin affects people in the same way. And there's only one cure for it. Leprosy is more than just a skin ailment, though. When we study leprosy and we look at it, We learned some things about it. Have you ever heard the term when talking about someone who is 
may be beautiful on the outside, but ugly on the inside. They say that beauty is skin deep, but ugly goes to the bone. And, and that's what they're talking about. Well, that's the way leprosy is. You see, leprosy affects the skin. It does do that, but it affects the deep tissues and the social standing of its victim. See, the victim would experience severe pain, skin stiffness and dryness, thickening of the skin, particularly around the facial area. They would eventually become blind. They would have muscle weakness. Drying of the throat area would cause laryngitis. The victim's toes, nose, the the ears and the fingers would often fall off because of injury or infection. Just imagine walking with leprosy. Your toes wouldn't last long. Trying to pick things up or, or reaching for something, your fingers wouldn't last very long. Imagine having to scratch your facial area and your skin and your nose and your ears being knocked off or you're falling up against something. Leprosy isolated the unfortunate from society as well. You see, it made them hopeless because there was no cure for leprosy. In fact, it was a definite death sentence. You would die from leprosy. It was just a matter of how long. But the thing is, leprosy is a wonderful example or illustration of sin because they cause the same problem. See, one is physical while the other is eternal. Sin defiles in the case of Achan, Joshua chapter 7. It defiles you. It defiled him, it defiled his family, and you know what the result was? They were killed because of it. Sin distances one from God, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. The great prophet said, it's not that God can't hear you, it's not that He can't help you. He can hear you, He would help you, but your sin separates you from you and your God. You see, sin is deeper than than skin, it goes deeper than that. And do you know what it requires? It requires a cure that cleanses more than just the skin. Notice what Peter said in 1 Peter 3.21. When talking about baptism, he said, It is the like figure or an example wherein to even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. It's not like taking a bath washing off the skin, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, sin dooms all it infects. For the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. Their common concern rose together into a common cry. As Jesus approached, They realized who He was. They could see Him afar off. No doubt they'd heard about the great healer. They'd heard about His kindness and His acts of kindness. After all, we remember about blind Bartimaeus, the woman with the issue of blood, His having raised Jairus' daughter, the multitudes He had fed, all the fortunate He had come into contact with, and, and all those that He had simply allowed to come into His presence and no one left unchanged. And they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Of course, that use of the word Master indicates overseer or commander. And they realized something about Him. They realized He was chief among all people. 
They had heard or maybe even had seen the miracles he had performed. They knew he was something special, not because of his appearance, but because of who he was. The use of the miracle was to identify the one who performed it. That he certainly was a man of God. And they would have lifted up their voices. You know why it states that they would have lifted up their voices? Because they needed to get his attention and they couldn't speak very well. The bronchial tubes would have been dry and their voices would have been harsh and and rough and squeaky and they couldn't have spoken very loud because of the toll that the leprosy was having on them. That would have been the worst sore throat imaginable. But the circumstances required them to lift up their voice, no matter how painful it was, because this was their chance. And in unison, their concern resulted in a cry, and they called upon the great physician. They did what all people ought to do. He's the only one who can deliver humanity from sin, and we ought to call upon Him. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4, 12. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14, 6. He also said this, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give ye rest. All people ought to be asking the question, have I called upon Jesus? Now if you mark in your Bible, this would be a good place to mark in your Bible. Like Saul of Tarsus, we ought to call upon the name of God because we're going to come across some folks and they're going to want to know about this idea of calling upon the name of God. And they're going to have some misunderstandings about that. Paul described his encounter with Ananias. He described that in Acts 22, verses 12 through 16, and he talked about calling or being told to call upon the name of God. And people have some misunderstandings about that, and we ought to be able to explain that. How was it that Paul called upon the name of the Lord? Let's turn over to Acts 9, verse 17 through 18. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, The Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes, as it had been, scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. Now, in describing that event with King Agrippa, Paul told him, Whereupon, O king, Acts 26, verse 19, because he described that in three different places, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. You see, he called upon the name of God by being obedient. You see, there's so much misunderstanding on how we call upon the name of the Lord. We don't call upon the name of the Lord just by simply calling His name, lifting up our eyes to heaven and calling on the name of Jesus. We do that by being obedient. How was it that Paul called upon the name of the Lord? Well, we read about it in Acts 22. We read about it in Acts chapter 9. We read about it in Acts 26. He was obedient by following the commandments, right? We need to be able to tell folks about that. The same commandments to which we ought to be obedient. We understand that. 
We know what those commandments are. Faith, repentance, confession, immersion in water, faithful living, it's all there. And so when we look at this no doubt pitiable group, we notice that they received something. They received grace. And that's the same grace we can receive if we follow the commandments. And notice what they had to do. First of all, we see the Lord's perception right away. He perceived something, right? They had no more spoken to Him from afar than He healed them, right? He knew what they needed. He understood exactly what they needed. He understood what having leprosy meant to people. He knew what it was. We understand, studying through the book of Hebrews, that we have a high priest that understands what we go through. He understands our affliction. He understood their grief and fear of what was to come, what was to happen to them, what their end result was. After all, He knows the hearts of all men, Acts one twenty four. He had only one purpose in mind when He came to earth, Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He knew what they needed. They didn't need His healing power in a week or in a month or in a year. They needed it right now. They needed His help right now. They didn't know if they had another day, another month, another week, or another year. The same thing can be said of anyone caught up into sin in this life. They need help right now, right? They need Jesus' healing power right now, not tomorrow. Notice what James said, James 4.14, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. This is how Jesus always healed, and that's how He does heal. Once the requirement was met, the healing happened. Christ was perceptive, but He also had a plan. That's the way God does it, isn't it? Leviticus 14. What were they supposed to do? He said, go to present yourself to the priest. That's what happened any time anyone was healed from leprosy. They were to be obedient to the law under which they lived. Jesus always instituted God's plan for salvation. Notice that the lepers had to be obedient. What would have happened if they had said, you know, hey, thanks for healing us. I'm not going to go see the priest but I appreciate what you did for me. They would have died in their sickness, wouldn't they? They had to do what Jesus asked. There were commandments to follow. Jesus has instituted God's plans for our benefit in our time, right? And then He demonstrated His power. He gave them reconciliation. They could then return and be a part of society. You see, when we obey God's plans... For salvation, we're reconciled to God. We can be a part of His family. Reconcile back to Him. They could return to their families. They can enjoy the relationships they had lost. They could be a child to a parent, a parent to a child, a husband to a wife. Whatever their situation was, but His power gave them salvation. And it does that today. If we accept His plan just as the lepers did, we can have that. You see, and then His has so much more. His has so much more. He has a plan for the Christian who's fallen away. You see, He allows for a return to Him. The second law of pardon through repentance and confession and prayer. 
But we have to be obedient just as the lepers were. All ten members of the group, all ten received the grace of God. But only one returned with a proper greeting. Notice that. Let's look at the greeting. That's our third and our final point. They were all translated or changed physically. They heeded His command. They were healed from their leprosy. They all presented themselves or were going to present themselves. But not all were truly thankful. Not all were truly thankful for what He had done. We see that in their actions. Evidently, all they could think of was what was done for them instead of who did that for them and how they gained what they gained. Only one was transformed spiritually. The Samaritan didn't wait. He worshipped Jesus. He was converted. He was a Samaritan. He was the dog. He was the low life. He was the slave. Now he did hold some Jewish beliefs. But you see, Samaritans were strangers in Israel. The Samaritan was converted though. He was convinced Jesus was the Messiah. We see it in his actions. We see it as he fell at the feet of Jesus and he worshipped him as God. That is what is required today if one wants to receive salvation. If one wants to be transformed. That's what God expects. You see, everyone has to be converted. They have to understand how we gain relief from sin. And we ought to be thankful for it, right? That's what Jesus expects. I think when we look at this account of the ten lepers, we need to always be searching our souls and examining ourselves to make sure we're always thankful to God for what He has provided for us and what He gives us on a daily basis. When we look at 1 John chapter 1, John speaks of walking in the light. When we walk in the light, we're in constant contact with the blood of Jesus. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? To be in constant contact with the very substance that has saved us. Constantly washing away the sins of this world. Not, that, not the idea of just washing off the skin, the filth of the flesh, but a soul cleansing Substance that keeps one in a position to be justified in the sight of God. And our thankfulness ought to clearly be demonstrated through our actions. You see, Jesus has placed certain requirements upon all of us if we're going to receive salvation from sin. And we ought to show our love and, and our affection and our thankfulness to Him. And how do we do that? We simply do it by being obedient. John 14, 15. Notice what the writer of Hebrews said. Hebrews 13, 15. By Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. That's an amazing thought. Giving thanks to His name. If you need to answer the Lord's invitation. You need to come back to him. 
through repentance and prayer, if you've slipped along the way, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.